The pages of scripture shows us that God invites all people to worship him. In fact, God's original plan in the Garden of Eden was for all of his creation to worship him in ways that honored and pleased him. Sure, the forms and guidelines for worship have changed over the years. Old Testament followers of God worship by means of animal sacrifice, while the followers of Christ from the New Testament on have gained direct access to God through Jesus Christ. But God's desire for his people to worship him has never changed nor diminished. So who did Jesus welcome to worship? As we consider Jesus' life and ministry, we see that Jesus welcomed a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds. Jesus welcomed people of all ages. The first chapter of John is just one example of many where adults are encouraged to worship Jesus. Here, Peter and Andrew are invited by Jesus to follow him and enter into discipleship with Jesus. The Gospel writers also show that Jesus welcomed children into his presence. Just see Mark 9. And Matthew offers an example of a multitude of people, including adults and children, shouting praises as Jesus entered the city. People of all ages have always been encouraged to worship God. Jesus also welcomed people of all ethnicities. In arguably the most popular worship passage in Scripture, John 4, Jesus offered the opportunity of worship to all people. His worship invitation to the Samaritan woman provided a preview of what his disciples would be commissioned to following his resurrection. After his resurrection, Jesus commissioned his disciples to go into all the nations. And before his ascension back to heaven, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit will come upon them, and they would receive power to be his witnesses to the end of the earth. And if there was any room for doubt, Paul was sent to the Jews to spread the gospel, and Peter to the Greek and other non-Jewish people. People of all ethnicities are welcome to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus welcomed people of all social statuses, whether it was a fisherman or a tax collector, a religious leader or a poor widow. Jesus welcomed people with open arms. The first chapter of Mark shows working class fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, being called to Jesus' side at the Sea of Galilee. While in Luke 19, Jesus shares the gospel with Zacchaeus, a well-known and well-to-do tax collector. It didn't matter to Jesus what your social status was. You were welcome to worship in his presence. Jesus welcomed people of questionable nature. Jesus welcomed people whom others would not associate. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. One such example is when Jesus allowed a prostitute to approach him at a dinner, in front of the religious leaders, no less, and touch him. What was this woman doing in the Pharisee's house? Well, Greek scholar William Barclay says that it was the custom that 
when a rabbi was at a meal in such a house, all kinds of people came in. They were quite free to do so, to listen to the pearls of wisdom which fell from his lips. It was not out of the ordinary for non-invited guests to be present at certain events. So we see that it was not her presence necessarily that caused a problem. It was her social status. Listen to these words. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who uh, and what sort of woman that this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. But Jesus welcomes all people to worship him. For it's in the presence of Jesus that we find redemption, healing, peace, all that is right. And so, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus looks to her and he says, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So the question is, Whom do we welcome to worship? Now that we have seen who Jesus welcomed to worship, we must turn the tables and ask the harder question. Do we welcome people of all ages, all ethnicities, all social statuses, and questionable nature into worship? If we are to be honest with ourselves, we must ask if we place expectations upon others by expecting them to dress a certain way, speak a certain way, like a certain style of music, and worship in a certain way. Do we set up barriers that others or even ourselves cannot break through in order to worship effectively? The church is to be a place where God is worshipped for who he is and praised for what he has done. The church is to be a place where, like so many during Jesus' lifetime, hurting souls can come, meet the great physician, and have their broken lives, hurting souls, and damaged spirits healed and lifted up before the throne. God is primarily concerned with our spiritual condition, but he is also concerned with our physical well-being. During his ministry, Jesus had large crowds following him, wanting to be near him. Some were there because they believed that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. Others were curious and needed further convincing. But many were there simply because they knew Jesus had the power to heal. 
God's church should be filled to capacity each and every weekend. Why? Is it because of a certain style of worship music? Or because of a really good preacher? No. It's because we have access to the throne of God where hurting souls can come and be made whole by the only one who has the power to heal. It's difficult to understand, but there is a unique connection between praise and suffering, affliction, and adversity. God uses hard times to strengthen and cleanse us. Whether you are struggling with disease, problems in your marriage, depression, drugs, broken family, whatever your struggle, God can save you and heal you. All he wants from you in return is praise. The Old Testament prophet understood this concept and responded in this way. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the oil fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I know it's hard to praise in moments of darkness, but that's exactly what will help you through these difficult times. Just as precious metal must go through the refiner's fire before becoming a precious work of art, or the crushing of tens of thousands of flower petals must occur to yield but an ounce of perfume, the sacrifice of praise is precious and sweet-smelling to our Heavenly Father. King David knew the power of praising through hard times. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then planned her husband's murder to cover his sin, God confronted him through the prophet Nathan. Nathan shared God's verdict with the king. He said, your son is going to die. David immediately went into fasting and prayer and prostrated himself before God. A week later, David heard the servants whispering, and he knew his son was dead. He then did something that his servants thought was odd. David got up, cleaned himself up, and went into the house of the Lord to worship. When you are in times of deep struggle, the only thing you can do that has any substance or value is to worship. God's desire is that we worship Him in good times and in bad. It is also His desire that all come to worship regardless of the circumstances. If we, for any reason, are putting up barriers for others, or even ourselves, when it comes to worshiping Jesus, then we need to immediately change our actions and ask God for forgiveness. 